that Dopey Nation is sweet. Hopper No Beats, we doing this shit again. If you don't know now, I was trying to figure out how to explain to a close-minded normie what's going on in our heads. So I wrote this poem. We scream, don't be out loud. We smoke that hush, we smoke that loud. We slam shots inside crowds, have our girls screaming like Rihanna, man down, man down. We spent so much money. Listen to me, you can learn something from me. So you a drip it, you ain't shipping in your 20s. Matter of fact, I sold pot to his mummy. Matter of fact, we sell rocks to his mommy. Bitch, I'm from Robert, I sold flock to your mummy. Yeah, that's why I know some motherfucker bunny. That's why our ribs stick out further than our fucking tummy. Ladies of the night, I don't walk the street like we're fucking zombies. Might even fuck you for less than fucking 20. Think it's sweet, buy a room, bitch, now it's funny. Told you, boy, it ain't that fucking sunny. Y'all talk shit, but don't say shit in fucking front of me. And then they act like there's a friend of me. But they ain't no friend of me, they're the enemy. I got that remedy, I'ma go to the fucking trunk. You won't fucking think this ten of me. Man, I wanna call my dad, cause it's all I ever had. Man, it's all I ever had. Man, it's all I ever had. These suckers make me mad. I wanna call my dad, cause it's it's all I fucking have, man. It's all I fucking have. These suckers make me mad. I wanna call my dad, cause it's all I ever had, man. It's all I ever had. These suckers make me mad. I wanna call my dad. It's all I ever motherfucking have, bitch. Toodles. Stay strong. This episode of Dopey is brought to you by our friends at Aloe Recovery. Located in sunny Southern California, Aloe was created by dear friend of the show, Bob Forrest, and his friends, Evan and Jared and Bob. And Aloe's mission is to treat addicts with connection and compassion, not control. They treat co-occurring mental health disorders, including SMI. They make sure your detox is as comfortable as possible, which is crucial if you're kicking dope or benzos or alcohol or really whatever you're kicking you want a, a nice and comfortable detox they have amazing amenities they have surfing and sound bath meditation equine therapy and sweat lodges they do it all if you're fucked and you're willing to go to sunny southern california to get help i strongly recommend aloe this episode of Dopey is also brought to you by YourSoberBuddy.com. Your Sober Buddy is basically a support mechanism to help anybody struggling with their sobriety or their recovery. It's a, it's a character that's super cute and friendly that emails you every day with recovery, ideas, thoughts, well wishes, whatever. You can sign up for free at YourSoberBuddy.com. You receive a daily email with motivation, tips, and resources. It helps with any drug or alcohol, any stage of recovery, whether you're just starting out or you've been sober for years. They even have options for anybody on Suboxone or other medical assisted treatment plans. People love Sober Buddy. They look forward to their daily emails and they've heard from many, many addicts who think that uh, the Sober Buddy has really helped them not relapse. So if you think you could use some support, you go to YourSoberBuddy.com. It's totally free and please follow them on Facebook and Instagram at YourSoberBuddy. If you have any questions, just let us know. This episode of Dopey is also brought to you by listeners like you in the Dopey Nation through the amazing power of the Dopey Patreon page. And I know what you're thinking. I haven't changed the Dopey Patreon page yet. 
It is forthcoming. I swear there will be big changes in the Dopey Patreon page very soon. For now, you go to www.patreon.com slash dopeypodcast. Throw a few bucks. Um, I appreciate it. It helps me out. It helps the show out. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing. But if you don't give money, that's cool, too. I just love people listening to the show. Also, if you want any snapbacks or ski hats or socks, I'm running low. Venmo me at Dopey Podcast, and I will ship them out to you. Also, we have a ton of stickers. If you want Dopey clothes, you go to DopeyPodcast.com. There is a a ton of T-shirts, long sleeves, hoodies. But the Dopey store is about to change, so if you want anything on that store, I would order now at DopeyPodcast.com. Enough with the ads. Here is the show. So good morning or good evening and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction and dumb shit. And I'm Dave and I'm in Manhattan at my father's kitchen table. Uh, Can I say your name? Yes, of course. With the great and mysterious chest hair eating, urine drinking, record player smashing, (laughs) crack smoking, relapse having... Great legend, dopey legend, Ray. Welcome I, back. I thought you were just going to say my name. So I should, should I start over? <laughs> <laughs> you can't say my name. I changed my mind. Listen. And it's the, not evening. It's morning. It's evening when they listen. Okay. It's morning now. It's very morning. Uh, it's good morning to you, good but good morning. evening to the Dopey Nation. Good evening. And I have to say that um, there has been a lot of uh, uproar since Ray's last appearance on the show. What happened? Well, everybody couldn't believe... I mean... Ray is, there's been two people that have, three times people have cried on the show, and two times they were you. Yeah, and I'm not going to cry today. No more tears, no more Ray. Tears. <laughs> no more drama. Well, listen, um, first of all, how, how's the recovery coming? When's the last I time have, you had a drink? Let me look. I think I have 12 days now. <laughs> um, I kept doing like seven days. I kept getting seven days, and then I would drink, and then... And I've been going to meetings. I've been meeting with my sponsor and, and talking to Dave a lot. And I've got, you haven't been talking to me well, a lot. I've been talking. I get a lot of phone numbers and people have been texting. Anyway, I've been good on that front. But just like once a week, I like uh, break down. And then and the last time I was like, you know, I was like, I'm going to get a, I'm going to buy a bottle of vodka. I was going to pick up the keys from this dude. And, uh, and I was like, why am I going to buy? What keys? What dude? The the the. Dude that was on my place, he'd left the keys with somebody. So I went to pick them up, and it, and it was like a music night. And I was going to, like, I'll get a bottle of vodka, and I'll enjoy this night more. And, and I thought, fuck this. Like, why am I, like, basically killing myself? Because of some dude that, like, doesn't care about me and, like, doesn't matter. And and why am I, why do I keep doing this every seven days? And that just was, like, kind of a breakthrough. Like, but I was doing it every seven days. Well, the right, so we call that like right sizing is coming in, where, where yeah. this dude was like everything. Yeah, yeah. He was your whole brain and your whole heart and your whole soul. Now it's been, it's kind of objects in the rearview mirror get to their actual size. Yeah. A little and, bit. And I'm like, I'm actually killing myself. I'm going to die. Well, now you're not killing yeah. yourself. Now you might live. Um, although, in the, the latest update in Ray's love life, uh, is that off limits? 
No, that's that's cool. Ray has replaced the last guy with another guy who looks like exactly the same, <laughs> and because uh, Ray has serious issues around uh, sex and love. So welcome to Salah. I don't think I do. I've, sex I've, and love. I've addicts. met a very nice, handsome young man, and we've been <laughs> seeing each other, and it's beautiful, and it's very casual, and. It's really nice. There was also a lot of complaints. But about he saved my, he saved my life. Oh, here we go. <laughs> then I think we're going to get a breakdown. No. Here. How did he save your life? By d- by loving you. Yes. When you couldn't love yourself. <laughs> here we go. No, it's like really cool. It's very casual, and I don't know where it's going, but it's really nice. There's been a lot of complaints that the show has been too gay, it's very gay, and too Jewish, and too Irish. Well, <laughs> nobody's complained about the Irish quotient. Um, I'm not Jewish. You're not Jewish, so today is a pretty gay and Jewish episode, considering. But there's some people coming on the show that are neither gay nor Jewish. Yeah. So look forward to that. Okay. Do you look forward to that? There's been a lot of stuff. I don't care. There's a lot of stuff going on in my life, a lot of stuff that's not great. I know. Well, we'll start with the latest, (laughs) which is last night. Dave is going to Mexico with me. I'm not going to Mexico. (laughs) Last night, uh, Linda went out the other night. And me and Nora were hanging out, and she, she watches terrible TV. Like what? The Bachelor? No. Well, yeah, she does. She, she does. She watches that. <laughs> Did and she watch The Masked Singer? Yes. Oh, God. <laughs> and she watched Survivor that she was... Re- Linda loved Survivor. So Nora got into that. But Nora watches this tween garbage. You yeah. don't know about this stuff. There's a show called Victoria or Victorious. I've heard about some of it. It's all this kind it's of regurgitated on... Saved by the Bell Nickelodeon yeah, stuff. Yeah, And I'm hanging out with her. I'm like, Nora, it's you and me tonight. And she's like, what do you want to watch? Do you want to watch The Simpsons? And I said, no. You know, I feel like I've watched The Simpsons too much. I said, I'm going to show you Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So me and Nora watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And she goes... Daddy, he's faking, <laughs> um, which was cool. Um, she went to bed, and last night we decided we were going to finish it. And uh, and I also gave up keto this week. The keto is over. Oh, congratulations. Yes, thank you. But now I'm like, anyway, we're, we're sitting there, and we're watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and we're going to eat ice cream, and she's going to eat the leftover Carvel, and I'm going to eat one of these frozen cones. And I'm eating the frozen cone, and I'm at the bottom of the frozen cone, and in the bottom of the frozen cone, they, they pack chocolate in it. Mm-hmm. It's very delicious. Yeah. And, uh, and I bit it, and my fucking tooth broke. My fucking tooth broke. It didn't break. It fell out. No, it broke. I know, but it's gone. Well, now it's gone, but it broke. <laughs> and if any of you guys know what it's like to eat something and have a tooth break in your mouth, do you know what that's like? Right? I've never had that. It is a terrible feeling. I, and it's like... I imagine it is. It's like I was just talking to somebody about how, like, um, basically how I'm so good in my recovery that I can barely remember what it felt like to be a total fucking drug addict, you know? Yeah. And the second the tooth breaks in your mouth... <laughs> you look like a meth head. Well, you, you've, it all comes back. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And... uh and then I was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, my, my tooth broke. And it's like I had another tooth break in my I, I had another tooth extracted last year. I had another tooth break years ago in the midst of heroin addiction in California. So this is the third broken tooth in my mouth. And um, it's sad, and it makes me very upset. And I'm going to have to get serious dentistry. That's a lot of money. And, uh, and this morning, I, I, I didn't set my alarm. 
So I woke up an hour late. I ran for the train. So I'm on the train, filthy, disgusting, <laughs> toothless. toothless. I'm just like this. I'm, I'm like who I this junkie on the train without teeth and like all fucked you up. You can barely see. You can't see Dave's missing tooth. But I feel it. I feel lighter yeah, in the you're mouth. Sticking your tongue in there. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, smile for me. No, you can't even see it. Wow. It's very, very, very discouraging. And that's not, that's just the tip of the iceberg with the way things have been going this last week. Yeah. It has been a tough week for me. What else? Well, you, my, my buddy, I have this very close friend who was, um, connected to the show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Drummer from my band, John. And, uh, he got married and I wrote, him a congratulations uh, on Facebook, and he said thanks. And then I got snarky, and I said, uh, "Why didn't you invite me to the wedding?" And he said, "Why didn't you invite me to your wedding?" And I said, "I never got married." <laughs> and he said, "You know, whenever you text with me, I feel like shit. Uh, so I think uh, I'm not going to tell you to go f yourself, but basically go f yourself." And like, what a sad thing. Except for like a long friendship. For no reason, like two grown men, like saying, "Why didn't you invite me to my non-wedding?" I mean, the dude got married at the courthouse, also. But that's not the thing. The thing is, why did I have to be snarky with him and ask for an invitation? If I hadn't texted him that, me and him would still be, be okay. You'll be friends. I don't know. I called him yesterday, and he didn't call me back. Oh. I also defriended him after he sent me that thing. Good move. I had to defriend. <laughs> I was so angry. How could he write me that? But the, and then I also got into a thing with another friend. I was in a group text. You should stay off of I was the in a, internet. I was in a group text with my old friends, and one of my old friends is this very accomplished poet. Yeah. And one of my old friends is that very accomplished actor. And uh, sometimes these group, group threads just wind up being like these weird, like, like Facebook, like, look at me doing this. Yeah. Look at me doing this. Group you texts know? are the worst. So, yeah, I hate them. But And I like group texts where they're funny, and like a lot of laughs and we put each other down and it's kind of like old times. So like the poet guy and two of the guys are in Seattle and the poet guy texts, I'm going to be in Seattle reading from my new book. And um, I'm like, you know, like, <laughs> and I don't even know why. Like I'm right. doing fine. Everything right. is good. You know, Yeah, you're so special. Tell me more about yourself. Yeah. So so and then my other friend, the actor goes, oh, I'm going to be in Seattle adapting someone's book into a play. And I guess I'm feeling tired. I'm on the Long Island Railroad. Yeah. I, you know, I'm served like, coleslaw and potato salad at a party all day. And I was like, when did this fucking text become the show off thread? I said, today <laughs> I served 65 people coleslaw and potato salad. <laughs> nice, Look at me. Nice move. Look at me. <laughs> and, uh, and no one said anything. You could have said, hey, my dopey podcast got 4 million downloads. I know. And then I know I could have done that, but I, I didn't. Instead, I like, I, I, I wallowed. In my misery, which I'm apt to do, yeah. and and uh, and I felt bad, and like the then, then the thread like the thread got dark, you know what I mean? Because oh, somebody yeah. somebody wanted to like support me, and they they made a joke. They were like, "I pop my pimple," and then somebody else was like, "You know, it got dark," right. and then. The poet was like, can't we just practice acts of kindness in this thread? Ugh. And then I had to, like, reach out to him and yeah. apologize. And he was like, he was like, I'm just tired of, uh, of you, you know, you with this bullshit. 
And basically, it's the same bullshit I've been doing. Right. You've been doing this ever since college. Well, and I've, I've never I've, called you on it. No, I've been I've been doing it forever. But like, especially since I was on drugs, like if somebody's doing well, I'll always say how bad I'm doing. Yeah, you know, and it makes me feel comfortable. Right, right. You know, and um, so I apologized, and uh, but still, I like to live in that place. I don't want to be like, look at me, blah blah blah. Downloads, articles, you know, this American yeah, life. I don't right. do. I don't like that. Right. You know, but I'm sure I've done it in the thread You've too. Done it, yeah, I do it all the time. Yeah, those threads are it's dangerous, and it's all your friends, like my old friends. Yeah, and I ruined it. Yeah. You know? I mean, they're dangerous with so, that kind of stuff. I, you know, I do that stuff. I'll like, I'll brag, and then I'll be like, I'm like yesterday, I'm on the bus. I'm just got another gig in Dublin, and I put that on social media. On, and I'm like, just got another cool gig in Dublin. And then I'm talking to a friend in private, and I'm like, everybody in Dublin's getting famous except for me. <laughs> <laughs> and he, so I did them both within one minute of each other. Well, that is the, the addict thing of being uh, the, cent- the piece of shit in the center of the universe. Yeah. Or, or whatever yeah. that expression is. Oh, if you're in Dublin, I'm playing Bloody Mary's April 2nd and uh, Bloody Mary's April 5th. And if you're in County Mayo, I'm at Garbo's on... April 3rd. County Mayo. Yeah. Garbo's in, Cas- Garbo's in Castle Bar. So you're speaking to the Irish. I'm speaking to the Irish. Top of the morning to the Irish. 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 They don't say top of the morning. No, why not? I don't know. They just don't. Top of the morning. They say, what's the crack? Do they all listen to House of Pain? No, and, and that's drink, not Irish. And drink, and drink green beer? <laughs> no, they listen to Rubber Band at some TPM. Do they, uh, do they eat corned beef and cabbage no, on they the don't. daily? No, they don't. What do they do? They eat, they go to halal. They eat halal food in yeah, Ireland? Yeah, yeah. There's halal everything. And chippers. Ch- what are chippers? The fish and chips. Wow, you really, you love Ireland, don't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. So, and my producer last night was up for... Oh, your producer. My producer was up for two... Choice Awards for Producer of the Year. Top of the morning, Mr. Producer. He didn't win, but still, he got nominated for two, and I'm going, we're recording in April, and then we're going back in July and recording another. It's a very big night for him, Chris. Alfion Studios, legendary Alfion Studios. Gee, what are you doing? You're turning this into an ad. Promotion. Oh, my God. Can you believe <laughs> I'm very I lo- excited. Can you believe I broke my fucking tooth? You're going to come with me to Mexico, and we're going to fix it really cheap, really nicely. I, I think I'm going to have to tap into my father's vast finances to get a bridge. I think it's going to be like three to $5,000. 3000 to $5,000? going to be a lot. But you know oh, where yeah, you could yeah, go? Yeah. NYU. No, I, you know, I did that when I was in California and I had this happen with my back tooth. I, um, for some reason, I don't think I asked my parents for money. I went to a, a medical school at yeah. USC yeah. and it was a they dark, fucked you up. it was a dark gray steel lined <laughs> room with these two idiot medical students learning, learning. And they fucking just cracked that shit out of my mouth and I'm just gushing, gushing blood and uh, luckily, I was on heroin, you know, <laughs> or else that would have been really bad. It was a great excuse to just keep fucking yeah. using, you know. Not to mention, there's more news. There's so much news coming down the pike. Good Yes, news? Bad, bad news. news. Yesterday, this motherfucker from some fucking rehab called The Retreat wrote some nasty, terrible blog post about Dopey. About me oh, and Chris shit. Yeah, I saw that. and Todd and this pussy who calls himself John D. He took it down. 
He, by the and way, and he put a photo up of. He said he's been sober for forty years, and the photo is like a thirty-five-year-old man. Right. Well, he looked even younger than that. I or thought thirty. But so that that's weird. You know, that was a weird picture. Do you remember anything the article said? Because he, they took it down. I'll tell you things that yeah, I remember. From I the remember. Article. Yeah. What I remember is first of all. They said that we cavalierly yeah. looked at addiction and recovery, yeah. number one. Now, first of all, dude, it's, the show is called Dopey on the dark comedy of drug addiction, on drugs, addiction, dumb and shit. dumb shit. This is not fucking Bill and Charlie. This is not fucking who's Joel Olstein's fucking recreation <laughs> hour. This is a fucking comedy dumb shit. drug show. Yes, I am in recovery. Yes, thank God Ray is back in recovery. <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, Chris relapsed and died. And that happens if you're funny or if you're not funny. You know, and the fact that you're going to take a stab at something that obviously helps people, helps me. Help, God knows how much it's helped Ray. Look at him. He looks great. <laughs> um, and you're going to take a shot at that. Fuck you, first of all. And secondly, he called Todd a listener. You know, Todd, and it's like, dude, you listen to This American Life and you write about Dopey, and uh, I don't like it. It hurt hurt me. But, Dave, if you you are on in the public eye, people are going to say shit. You're going to get people saying shit like this. Well, this is a good opportunity for me to get angry, though. Yeah. Don't you think so? What else did it say? Do you remember anything else? Um, I can't remember exactly, but... Yeah, he he didn't like it, and he thought you were doing it wrong. But, you know, it is a comedy of dumb dumb shit, and, and... Obviously, the Dopey Nation gets it. The straight recovery world does not get it, or that guy didn't get it. Well, the the truth is that the straight recovery world um, has lined up, basically, uh, to Dopey because they know that because we do not handle it like, you know, saints or priests or teachers, we handle it like people that are underneath a a great spiritual malady, uh, and we approach it like... You know, normal people, it attracts people to it, and that's why it's something. Yeah. And, like, also, I mean, like, dude, rehabs play dopey in the rehab. Yesterday, a professor from really? the university. Yeah. So let's give a big shout-out to any treatment centers that are listening to dopey. There's a bunch of them. Did you know that? No. They're probably I don't really know anything. I hear things here You're and there. up on this. Yesterday, a professor from Miami University had me, um, they had me... They played the This American Life episode for their class, and then they had they had questions from me, really? the journalism students. Wow! And how it affected me or them or whatever. It was pretty fucking interesting. This is, this is like when you were young, you had your show in colleges all around. Now, when you're forty five, you have your show in rehab centers all around. From your stern appearance. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah, it's still very small I mean, potatoes, basically, people, is what you're saying. People in the Dopey Nation are like, some people are in full recovery, some people are like a little bit of stuff, and some people are fully doing drugs, and some people aren't afflicted at all. Right. They're all listening. Hold on, I see my dad lurking. Dad, come here. Come here, come on. Welcome back to the show, Dad. What are you doing? Let's, let's chop, chop. Welcome back. Good morning, Alan. Good morning. I'm trying to stay out of your way. Uh, you're not. He's lurking out of the room. He's creeping. Oh, you're trying to get the paper. Here, Dad. You heard this yesterday. I was on a. Uh, not to be braggy. I should put this in the text thread. Um, tell my friends that I was in a uh, thing. But uh, 
I was at the University of Miami. A professor of journalism had me on the show, or me in the class, after they played their students uh, the This American Life piece. She, she interviewed you from the school? The students asked me questions. So and you were you were good then you were terrific. I don't think it was that I don't think it was that good. Um, but more importantly, there's lots of uh, lots of pro my dad Alan support on the show. Oh yeah, people are in love with Alan. People are in love with Alan. People uh, are 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 searching him out. And I, I just want my dad to read this email that we just got. Um, dad, where's your glasses? I got to find it. I got to find it. We get so many emails. Hold on for one I'm second. I'm crushing hard on Alan. Hold on. <laughs> All right, you ready? Amy Sprague. You don't. What's wrong with you? You don't say their full name. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, Amy. I ju- oh, I didn't see this before. It's an email. I, I just wanted to throw... Oh, no wonder. I just wanted to throw my pro Alan hat in the ring and say, I fucking die laughing while driving every time your dad is on the show. Is that good or bad? It's a good thing that she hasn't died laughing or <laughs> crashing. Yes. The two of you are too much. I personally would, sub- would subscribe, rate, review, and share a show wherein Alan goes on, Ray, any number of topics, up to and including pandemics, pickled <laughs> herring, with or without creamy sauce, potatoes with mustard, God, etc. Then he can occasionally invite you on to argue with for your short segments, insult you, and make you leave. K- kidding, we love you too, Dave. Team Allen, dad of Dopey Nation. That's very, very sweet. Um, yeah. Also, I have really loved all your female guests of late. Keep them coming. Toodles, Amy in Portland, Oregon. Sorry my dad blew your anonymity. Amy. Oh, I'm sorry. Nice going, dad. I, I, I thought this was one of those uh, iTunes things. My dad still hasn't figured out the difference between reviews and emails. What do you think about the tooth-breaking incident? Oh yeah! All of a sudden, this is uh, this is a monetary problem you have, right? And all of a sudden, you think that uh, <laughs> that I'm supposed to have some concern over your monetary worries, like I always have. I think that might be the case. Uh, this bridge could be the thing—the bridge that breaks us all. This is the bridge too far, I think. Here, you ready for here? Read this one, Dad. Um, here. Um, can I say Matt's mom from Iowa? You did. Okay. Dave is the man. He has helped my son. Uh, he has helped my son immensely with his podcast. I don't think he could stay clean without it. Thank you so much for all your hard work. P.S. If I'm ever in New York, I'm going to take Alan out on a date. Whoa. He's quite the dish, Toodles. Quite the dish, Whoa. Toodles. That's very sweet, also. Very nice. Get it out. Uh, listen, that guy that wrote that thing. Um, that you were talking about. Which guy? Uh, He was criticizing Dopey. Did you read the thing? I I read it. So here, take take Ray's mic because you're making me crazy with this fucking shit. Yeah. And um yes. and and what what is your take? What do you remember from that thing? Well, I remember he makes he wrote something saying uh, how terrible it is to make uh, to make fun and make light of addiction. And he, he was implying in his uh, in his writing that that's what Dopey was doing, making fun and making light of addiction. And he based it on just listening to uh, This American Life. So you would say he's a totally uh, 
fool, a total asshole, dumb piece of garbage who doesn't even listen to the thing he's writing about? Uh, or would you say he's a terrible writer and a not good journalist? I'm not going to say any of those things. So you're you saying just he's just a piece of shit. Um, what I'm saying is, is that he has reached a conclusion without the proper amount of evidence and that he is making statements without even considering thinking more about So I'm probably doing that by calling him a piece of shit also. Like, maybe he's a good guy that just... He's taking a shortcut to to lambasting Dopey. Yeah, exactly. So However, there was a lot of people... There's a lot of people that wrote comments on his thing from the Dopey Nation. I let it off with, you're a fucking dirtbag. But then a bunch of people wrote comments, and then... And yeah, way more intelligent <laughs> comments than mine. Um, and um, intelligent. intelligent comments. Yes. And um, I uh, I put my comment up, and this this morning I I was re- I was really excited to have Ray read the piece, and then me go crazy about it. But he, in fear of the Dopey Nation, took it down. So congratulations, oh. Dopey Nation! You've accomplished something great. He took it down. It means nobody else can receive it. It's over. The the, the threat is over. But there's a new threat on the horizon, and we call that threat the coronavirus. Last week, my dad poo-pooed the coronavirus and said, don't worry about it. Now 22 New Yorkers are locked in their apartment, maybe 139, actually. What's your take now, Professor Allen? I never said don't worry about it. I say he says nothing. It's not going to do anything. I, never, I said don't panic about it. I said I said relax. Don't. Matter. I bought a lot of extra seltzer, by the way. Nice <laughs> <laughs> to keep in the house. Uh, no, I don't think you should panic about it. And I think you brought a bunch of jars of herring as well. Yeah, I did. I and he more. stocked up on cookies too. Yeah, I have extra cookies also. Yeah, this is well. It's not a panic. It's just trying to be prudent. They've also installed Purell at the elevator now. Yeah, I noticed that's yeah. a new thing. And um, and I and four of my parties uh, have been canceled. Four uh, yeah, major that, corporations have shut down uh, catering. Yeah, well, the stock market went down another thousand points yesterday. But you say which don't you should, panic. Maybe you should not worry about about that. Well, I don't have any money <laughs> invested, so I don't worry about that. But um, I say invest in Peloton, Netflix. Fresh Direct. Stay home. Eat cookies and enjoy. You think Fresh Direct is going to work? Well, I don't think they have Fresh Direct out in the rest of the dopey world. I think they do, don't they? I don't know. Write an email to dopeypodcast.gmail. What were you you saying about Seattle, by the way? Uh, It's a thing that happened in a text thread with my old friends. I know, but Seattle is is having the big problem with this virus. All right, Dopey Nation in Seattle, stay safe. Yes. Dad, is there anything you'd like to add about the show? Oh, I don't think, I think we're going to cancel DopeyCon in L.A. too. No. Yes. And in, in, in fear, because we're on high alert. We can't, we can't be traveling now. Well, this is not the time to travel, Dad. Not, not now, but in the future. I mean, come on. When One day when this thing blows over well, and the May, planet of the apes is resolved, we can get moving, no, but in, not right in now. May and June, it could be perfectly fine to travel. I'm, I think... I'm traveling in April, it looks like I am. Terrible idea. I, uh, well, and we'll we're going to be clear about this. You should get a... You should, Head to toe, gloves, socks, ski mask, whatever. (laughs) Just protect yourself. And um, I think the next month is really going to be the thing. Either things are going to get fucking haywire, hazmat suits in the streets. Maybe Ray won't be doing Dublin. He won't be doubling up. Maybe. Maybe he won't be getting dentistry in Mexico. Yeah, the project I'm working on right now might be canceled, which is Textile Market Week. All I'm saying is Dopey Nation. 
Be safe out there. And then the other... Well, Dad, do you have anything else to add before we get rid of you here? No, no. Stay strong, dopey nation. Oh, then there's another thing before we get rid of you. Did you see the person in the dopey nation that um, found the Howard Stern thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I remember that, God. I remember uh, even all the, the the family was saying, was David on Howard Stern show? And I said, I, I guess so. But uh, it, was at, it was at the, at the end, he, he, I think he figured out that you were fooling around. At the beginning and the middle, he was, he was uh, pretty convinced. Dave was very feisty, too. He was, like, combative with Howard right off. No, well, the point is, is that I think Howard Stern loved it. He, he thanked his mother. He thanked his father. Oh, he, yeah. thanked, he thanked everybody for, for, for him getting the award. It was just wonderful. We're going we're gonna to play that in a minute. But, you know, a while back, I got an email or a, a post in the Dopey Nation saying how I shouldn't be on the show, how the show should be you guys. So why don't I give you guys five minutes and see how you do without me? No, I'm sorry. All right. The show has to have you. Okay. Um... Thank you, Dad. Do you have anything else you want to say about anything? Yeah, I want to get some coffee now. <laughs> now, the other... So should I play Howard Stern now? Well, I want to say what... Uh, I didn't my, think I was feisty. You, yeah, you were very... He was like, this guy's not going to be on for more than two minutes. You were like, wait a minute. Well, what am I going to do? Yeah, you sounded very cute. I was, Your I voice was, was very high. I, the funniest thing about it to me, right, was... And you obviously can't hear it on the thing... I was riddled with drugs. I was wondering if you were high. I was. I wasn't high. I had taken every drug. Like I, I, we had bought. We had done heroin that night. Yeah. Coke. I think we did ecstasy at the beginning Whoa. of the night, and we were stoned. And we we were up all night because we had, we had to get to. K, it was at K Rock at like four in the morning. We had to get there at like five thirty. Yeah. I think we left the apartment at like three. Yeah. And just like tripped and walked uptown. And when I got there, I think there was a great. Concert of the drugs working in my system, yeah. plus insane fear yeah. of going on Howard. That I was like, psh, I was straight. But you know, the guy that was like talking shit about you, it's kind of like people would go like, I hate Howard Stern, and all they heard was like him throwing baloney at women's asses. Like right. they'd never heard the show. Right. That guy heard like a minute or something. But you know when. When Chris died and you asked me to come on like the next week, right? And I said yes, and then I texted you at like seven in the morning and said I can't go. My coworkers listened to the show because I told my coworkers I'm going to do this thing, and they're like, "You can't do that thing. That guy makes light of sobriety. If you go on there, you're going to die just like that guy died. Terrible. And that's why I didn't come. Well, I don't. I've never made light of sobriety. First well, you're like of all. they were joking about doing drugs, and then this guy died, and the other guy died. Well, I mean, it was that a, was their take on it by not really knowing the show, just knowing sort of you know the the, the bullet points. The truth is, I never, I, I I never feel badly about the content of the show. Like I don't, because uh, I've always felt incredibly. Um, passionate about my recovery but you go to a meeting and you hear the same shit you hear like people laughing telling funny stories it's the same thing yeah i mean but the point is like when we did what we did we did it uh for fun and as a way to blow off steam yeah. and it turned out it actually helped people out and, yeah. and people liked it so it was like mission accomplished if somebody else decides i don't meet their agenda you know, I take everything very personally, but in reality, if I don't meet someone else's agenda, that's more their problem than right. our problem. You're not going to meet their agenda in many ways in life. Now, I want to play the Howard Stern Show thing, but I also wanted to talk about something else with this coronavirus. 
And uh, it reminded me of uh, when I was using in the late 90s, I had this kind of sense that the world was going to end. You know, I felt like the world was ending. Bush was president. Um, Y2K was coming. Like, and we were leading up to 9-11. And, I, and, I, and, and there were a lot of, like, crusty street punks in the street then. <laughs> and, I, and there were a lot of movies about, like, the end of the end world. Of, yeah, Will, Will Smith. And, like, there was a movie called, like, uh, with Liam Neeson, I think, like, called End of Days or Dark Times where they put, like, chips in their brains. I and, hate those movies. Yeah, but it's like I just really felt like the world was ending and it didn't matter if I got high. And I bet you there's a shitload of people right now with this coronavirus who feel exactly the same way. It's a good excuse. It's a good excuse. Um, I hate those movies. I yelled at a movie set one time because they kept making movies about blowing up New York. And, and that affected you. And I was, that affected my parking, my car. I'm like, you're making this fucking movie about blowing up New York and now I can, you're like going to tow my car. Like, go blow up another city. Well, I, I, I felt like end of the world movies and drugs, it made me feel, not end of the world movies, just feeling like the world was going to end made it seem like it didn't matter if I participated in the world or yeah. not. And here we are and this coronavirus is coming and, and I have this kind of fear of New York shutting down. I have, I, I mean, I was at a, a catering event yesterday in the Hudson Yards, which is this huge uh, development of buildings and businesses and corporations. And, um, and it was pretty quiet there. And, and they, everyone kept saying, as soon as there's one case of coronavirus in Hudson Yards, they're going to shut the whole thing down. Dave doesn't ride the subways, but the subways on Monday, it was kind of normal by Wednesday. The subways felt really weird. I ride, I ride um, the Long Island Railroad, and every time I cough, I think I'm giving everybody the coronavirus. I also hang out with these Dominicans. It's like they come to work. I mean, and I'm not putting down Dominicans. I love Dominicans. But for some reason, each meat cutter that I worked with this week had the worst cough I've ever heard. I'm like, dude, <laughs> why the fuck are you here? Yeah. You know? But and so then If they don't come in, they don't get paid, right? Or does cats give you sick time? You can get sick time, but they, we have a, you know, it's a, there's a work ethic, you know, and people right. come in, but it's like, don't go to work if you're fucking sick right well, now. Well, that's who's going to be the one, it's someone handling food is going to be the one that gives it to a thousand people. Now, there's a lot of things to play. I just said I'm going to play the Howard Stern right. Show thing, and I, I had recorded something with my buddy Toast from work. What do you want to hear first, the Howard Stern Toast. Show thing or my buddy Toast? Well, Toast intrigues me. All right, so we'll play Toast. So me and Toast just did a catering job in fucking Pennsylvania, and I've been trying to get Toast to come on the show for a long time, uh, and here he is telling a classic, classic tale of his past. Yep, what's up, Dopey Nation? Yeah, so, well, like I was telling Dave, one time, um, you have to understand that Toast used to run the Lower East Side. He used to sell crazy heroin on the Lower East Side, correct? Correct. So Never to me, though, I don't think. Yeah, no, nah, I don't think I ever met Dave. So back in 80, 90, it was about 96. And that was before my time. 96, that's when uh, the Hydro got a little populated down in New York. You know, people was didn't really know what it was when it when it was coming there. It was that real sticky, sticky 
hydro that the indoor, the first really yeah, crazy indoor bike that, that, that you had to smoke it in a joint. So, you know, two of my brother-in-laws they were in the in the dope game, and you know I used to help one of my brother-in-laws. So, one of my brother-in-laws, the feds came to pick him up, and it's like they're running around the projects. So his mother calls my mother <laughs> and lets her know that the feds is like all over the building. So my mother, you know, she didn't know I had a couple pounds of weed, a gun, some heroin in the house. <laughs> so we lived on the 13th floor. So she, she's like, yo, the feds just, they, they coming into the building. So I got scared. I just started throwing everything out the window. I threw a couple of pounds of weed, the gun, the dope, <laughs> right out the window. Then I run right after that, right down the stairs. I pick up all my shit, and I run to, to my boy's store. And, I, you know, he don't know what's in the bag. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You throw everything out the window, and then you're like, why did you go downstairs to get it? Because you were upset that you threw it out the window? I just didn't want to lose my shit. That's why when you threw it in the first place, what were you thinking? I just didn't want them to come raid my mother's house and lock me up with a couple pounds of hydro. And on top of that, at that time, a pound of dro was like nine grand. So I'm like, I'm gonna lose like almost 30 grand right here. So I pick all my shit up. I'm mad scared too, because there's feds all over the place. And I just <laughs> go to my uh, my boy's store. I tell him, yo, can you hold this bag for me? And I, I you know, I waited till shit cooled down and I'm finding out what's going on, who the feds is picking up. They picked up a bunch of people. Then I went and got my shit and later on that night and went upon my business and that's it. I was like, thank God the feds didn't pick me up. I was like, she shit out of luck. But yep. There's another dopey story from the great toast. Yep, thank you. There's toast. Toast. I have to say, Toast is born on the on June first, like me. Yeah, and uh, I've worked with him for twelve years. He uh, he's the best. I love Toast. What do you think of the story? It's great. It's like another time. I mean, I'm sure it's a bit like that now, but those Avenue D projects, they were like a world unto themselves. And they still are. Yeah, you cross Avenue D and you're now in, you've left New York, you're in that world. You're in 1978. Yeah. The second you're in Avenue D in those projects, you're in 1978. Yeah, and I love how like the moms are all involved and, you know, it's like that. But the thing is they changed the law that if if anyone that is listed as living at in this apartment is convicted of I don't know if it's a, a crime or a drug crime, then the apartment everyone loses the apartment. If if the mom is there and her son gets convicted, the family is the out. The family is out, and that I'm sure changed a lot of this. Of like the moms, you know, say all this. You know, I'm sure some people got thrown out, and uh, I'm sure that changed the projects. And well, and I'm sure like people still do that. I know that. Um the last time, like when I had come back from California, I, I didn't want to be using heroin, you know, and I and I wasn't using heroin. Um, and like Todd, who we talked about, who is my old friend who I used to get high with, who wound up dying uh, almost two years ago, uh, was delivering weed around the city. And him and I had used a ton of heroin, but we hadn't he wasn't using heroin. And I think I wanted to show off to him. And I always was like, if you want heroin, even if I don't have a connection, I can get you heroin. And he was like, um, he, and, and I don't know. Just, I think, go, just go down to D. 
Yeah, he and, and he was like, well, let's get it, you know. And I said, okay, come meet me at Katz's. So he and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I figured I was just going to go to Avenue D. And the two of us um, walked to Avenue D. And I did my big line, which I always did when I was copying heroin, which is, I don't want to freak you out, but you have any heroin. And uh, I met a couple dudes who did, and they took us into those projects, and they were like, wait here in the stairwell. And he went upstairs probably to his mom's apartment, and he came down, and he gave us a bunch of dope. And uh, and me and Todd, I think we sniffed. I think I sniffed a bag in the in the cab with him, and I got so high going up. Or maybe was, we sniffed a bag in the stairwell. It was we were pure. It was, it was strong, and yeah. I hadn't done it in a long time. Yeah. And we walked up the East River, and, and that's another thing that I have to say. For me, when I don't, when, when I, in the past, when I wasn't doing heroin and I did heroin, I didn't love how heroin felt. It was just so strong. It was like almost way too much that was, for me. The last time I did heroin, it didn't feel good. And I remember walking up the East River with Todd, and there's, it's just like the end of the world. It's just like broken bottles oh, everywhere, man. garbage, people. It's a mess. You can't imagine what the East Village was like. And I'm getting fucking high. Like, the heroin is hitting, hitting me. Yeah. And I was, I was just like, I can't believe I did this again. You know, I can't believe that, that I had gotten off of it and I'm yeah. on it. And I knew I didn't have to do it again. Right. You know, and, but I wound up relapsing really badly. But it was... Uh, it was an Avenue D story. Just because you said to Todd, watch what I can do. Sort of. And I then, can and, do and magic. That happened a, a couple times with him because he, I don't know. I, I think it was just also just the fun of the chase. Like, it's another reason yeah. that Dopey even exists. That it's, was so much, that was part of it, is that going over there and, like, finding it when you didn't know. Like, when you knew the place to go, but then when you didn't know the place to go, then it's like, I know it's here somewhere. And you're, like, on an adventure. Yeah. You're a pioneer. Um, but what you don't realize, I mean, like this thing killed Todd, you know, this thing killed Chris. Yeah. There's like, there's so many people who are listening. Was, did Todd die of fentanyl? Yeah, he died of fentanyl. He actually, Todd had gone to sober living for a month. He got bored. He went home. He got a job working at a farmer's market. And one night he, uh, drove to Schenectady to cop. I think he copped two fucking bags. He probably did them in his car. He uh, he probably threw the bags out in the garbage on the way upstairs, yeah. and uh, and his parents found him naked, oh. dead, with no no bags, and they couldn't figure out what yeah. had happened. But the way Todd was, he was very careful. Yeah, um, and it killed him. And uh, and Todd was one of my best friends, and I think about him every day. And I I don't think Dopey is to minimize the story. I think it's to reflect on the lives that we live, and and the consequences are either death or total misery. I mean, there's a guy, there was a guy on the show named Don, who we called him DJ when he was on the show. He was on the show in the very beginning, and he told this crazy story about stealing Vicodin, and he was on methadone, and he couldn't get clean, and he was on the show. He sounded pretty good. He was a waiter in New York at Nobu, and he had gotten... You know, he was living on methadone, not using anything else for a long time. He went home. He's been struggling, trying to get clean over and over and over. He's still using. And it looks like our next Dopey Scholarship, our next Toodles for Chris Scholarship, is going to be Don going to Aloe. I think Aloe is going to take him for six months. Don sent me a picture last night of his abscesses, and they are so bad. And then I sent him a picture of my missing tooth, thinking (laughs) I was tough, but it really doesn't compare. Have you been to Avenue D lately? 
No, the last it's, time I went, the last time I was at Avenue D was that day. It's they have all these guard towers with like searchlights with generators, and it's like a prison. And well, why these, were you there? I went to the park over there. Why? With a friend to look at the river. Oh, you mean the river park across that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, you yeah. cross that, and there's like the, every like half block. There's a guard tower that's like twenty feet tall with a guard where there with a gun and these floodlights, and it goes all night long. It's all lit up. Well, it's also because rich people go to that park to run and to the, the East River Park. But so it's the like, projects in Brooklyn are the same way. They have these guard towers all around them like it's a prison. It's really weird. Well, I don't know about it, but it sounds bad. And um, I drive by there all the time. A lot of the guys I work with still live there. Yeah. So for them, it's just the Ave. Yeah. That's what they say. You know, they live on the Ave. I ride the Avenue D bus. Why? To go across town on 14th Street. But do you ever go over, over to the no, Ave? No. And, and what were you doing at the park? Just checking out the river. Yeah, just enjoying the, the day. Yeah, yeah. All right. I am going to... We, we have... I was copping dope. You were... You, he texted me last week about copping dope. And, you're, and, and two weeks ago, you were smoking crack. So what are you laughing about? Is it so crazy that you would cop dope? No, no, not at all. And three weeks before that, you were hoping you'd get fentanyl. Yeah. So let's deal with this thing. You know, this Look thing is real. Look what a miracle. Look what a miracle. You are a miracle, Ray. So Ray is one of the many, many musicians who sent in music for the show. And another musician who sent in music for the show is a dude I knew from rehab in Florida named Harold. He did the punk rock one. Do you know that one? Yeah, I know that one. Anyway, Harold just celebrated a year, and uh, I talked to him for a little bit. Oh, congratulations, Harold. Here's Harold. All right. I don't know if you guys know this guy, Dopey Nation, but he's been on the show before. I met Harold I want to say I met you, like, fucking 20 years ago, 15 years ago. How long has it been, Harold? It's been about 20 years. Yeah, I met Harold, like, 20 years ago in the great state of Florida, in the great rehab of Renaissance. Harold is responsible for the punk rock dopey theme song. Harold, you want to sing it for real quick? Sing a few bars? Oh, my God. I don't. I'll do it. Dopey podcast, we're um... all in. So oh live. Oh, God, I can't hear it now. No, no. My the bad. Dopey Podcast, Dopey Nation, we're all in it. Dopey Nation. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to just belt it out. Dude, that sounds good. I'm happy. I love that. I love that jingle. Um, so Harold jingle. is celebrating right now. Why don't you tell, tell us what's going on, man? Yeah, so um, I, uh, I celebrated a year last week. Um, I recounted my days because I tried unsuccessfully to have a uh, interdimensional DMT experience. <laughs> that was the I relapse, was just, though, right? The the possibility of DMT being this like you know vehicle to another dimension that is real and not accessible through like any other means known to man at this time was so seductive. It was such a seductive idea that I eventually came to that. But uh, I haven't used anything else. I mean, I only tried to do it once, and I've been sober off of heroin and crack and Xanax, my drugs of choice, since uh, July 18th, 2017. And on 2.25, I, I celebrated a year again. So. Well, congratulations. But I have a couple questions. First of all... yeah. Let's hear about how was the interdimensional DMT relapse? 
Well, it was it was very. Um, I didn't trip because okay, so uh, you know I have some friends that are into it and they're really rad people. I love them. They're super cool. And I kind of been over hanging out with them, and they had like a supply that lasted. I mean, a long time, and they a lot of different. You know, it was, I don't know how much they had. They must have a shitload of it. But anyway, whatever. So uh, I would kind of go into that environment. Sort of like, I know you're going to want to do this DMT, but don't do it. Like, yeah, maybe it's not a relapse. You know, Bill Wilson, like LSD, all that kind of shit. And um, I, I, I was very curious about it. It was, I guess you'd say I didn't have a step one gauntlet around it. I wouldn't have used anything else at that point. But I counted as a relapse because in that moment, it was like, don't do that DMT. And then I was like, Give me a fuck. Give me, give me a hit of that shit. Right. <laughs> you but know? you didn't, you didn't really tip yeah. off of it. You're saying, you're saying, you're didn't... like the best. We found the best way to do it is as a dab. So I did this dab of DMT. It was like I really wanted to break through, so I tried to take this huge hit. Right. And I haven't hit anything in a while, and it was just like this really big hit. And then you have to hold it in, like you have to really try to hold it in for as long as you can. And in my case, I just immediately <clears throat> coughed with this hit. So I, I, I quickly kind of entered into a state of panic, like, holy shit, Harold, what did you just do? You just did a stupid drug at a fucking party. Like, really? Another drug? <laughs> That's what you need? That's what you needed to do? Another stupid fucking drug? Really? You? Of all people? Like, no. And try to play it cool. I, I was freaking out inside, just like, oh, my God, what's going to happen now? Tried to play it cool. I waited 15 or 20 minutes, left, called my sponsor. It was hysterical. Thank God he answered. It was late. I fucking, you know. And it was, like, it was really scary for, for a while, for a couple of weeks or months. It was, like, I didn't want to disclose. I didn't want to have to pick up a white sweet tag, all that kind of shit, you know? And uh, eventually, I started telling more people about it. I eventually picked up a white key tag. And, you know, it, w- it was fortunate. It was very fortunate. I feel like, you know, I, I mean, I don't want, you know, like it, you could possibly attest it to a higher power thing. Because prior to that, I had, you know, I've watched documentaries and it's just been this thing that I really wanted, I really want to go to this other dimension. I really want to have that experience. And like, now that I've attempted it, and it didn't actually have the experience, which potentially is what kept me from using other drugs. I don't know. I don't know. But the whole thing of like, is DMT a relapse for me has now become very clear in my mind. And I'm not really that, I'm not curious about doing DMT now. Like I was like, okay. You know, I had tried that. I I had a super similar experience where, um, I was like in between kind of like using, I don't think I was, I think I was actually sober and uh, a buddy of mine came up with some DMT and I had the exact same situation as you did. And I was like, I'm going to smoke the DMT because I've always wanted to smoke DMT and here it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I smoked it and I, it, he wasn't dabbing it. It was like a 50 year old guy who got it from like a 60 year old chemist. And he smoked it in one of those old proto pipes, you know, those metal proto pipes. Yeah. Um, and I smoked it in one of those and, uh, and I got high 
and I held it in, and I did all that shit, but I didn't... It wasn't like another dimension. It was just like a crazy visual audio trip. You know what I'm saying? It was not... I didn't find it to be another dimension. It was, it was like a very crazy visual audio trip, and it lasted like 10, 15 minutes. And then afterwards, I was like, yeah. fuck, you know? So I had a similar experience. Uh, did you find that after you picked up the white key tag... Uh, you got into your recovery more again? Yeah, I mean, I definitely got into my recovery more again. And um, I, I hadn't totally left the recovery process, which I think also is, I mean, yeah, it, 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 it's, it, you know, I definitely, like, it was like, oh, dude, I'm counting, you know, I'm counting days. Like, so that was like a reality. Like, fuck, dude, I'm counting fucking days. You know, so it was like, I definitely, like, got real scared and very much like, oh, shit, this, 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 you know, is, is, is like, scary and embarrassing or, you know, I didn't want to lose my rep or whatever the fuck it is. I mean, I was, like, as, 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 as upset as I might be about that, if we can just not go any further... That's going to be a miracle. That's going to be fantastic. And what what do I need to do in order that in order for that to happen? So yeah, yeah, I definitely like day counting, maybe ninety and ninety. Like definitely tried to make sure that that was going to be an isolated incident and feeling like I would probably be lucky if it turned out to be. I always thought that you and I also had in common this like disdain for recovery, even though we needed it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, fuck, I have to do this. Like, I remember like both of us kind of approached the program and like, I can't believe I have to do this kind of thing, which is probably why we've been doing it for so long. You know, um, the resistance, the resistance is high in us, you know, and, uh, I'm happy. You sound great. I'm happy you got the year. Um, and also Harold does this very, very cool clothing brand called Health Collective 666, where he did this uh, dopey, limited run dopey shirt. He has a million or at least 10. How many shirts do you have, Harold? Um, designs out there, I think I have like eight. There's eight super fresh designs, and you could check it out on Instagram at Health Collective underscore 666, right? Yeah, it's just, uh, it's at Health Collective 666, no underscore. No underscore. Sorry, Harold. Uh, My bad. It's sick. The brand is called Health Collective. The IG is Health Collective 666. There's uh, healthcollective666.com. Uh, check it out. Nice. It's fucking sick if you don't already know. Tell the dopey story you were going to tell. About the... One of the gnarliest fucking experiences that I ever had on drugs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so, oh, my God. The worst drug experience I ever had <laughs> was in New York City. I um, had gotten a hold of some speed, which isn't really that big on the East Coast, at least not compared to how it is here in L.A., where I now live. And I really liked it. I did a small amount, and, and, and I liked it, and I wanted to get some more. I kind of went back to these people that I got it from, and they were like street kids, like New York street kid junkies, not the most trustworthy people. And 
right away, the whole experience, it was like it felt really off to me. This girl who's a psycho was like, trying to act really nice. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? And we're like waiting for this you know, person to come to bring the nest. And I did something in my gut. It was like, this is not right. And it was almost like a higher power thing, an intuition thing. And in somehow in this process of waiting the cop, I was like, fuck it, I'm out of here. And this girl started freaking out. And I was about to just bail on the whole thing. And then the, the dude we were waiting for was just showing up at that moment. And he played it off really cool. He was like, hey, man, sorry about her. She's crazy. Like, here you go. So I paid, I forgot, 20 bucks for some sack of something. But I was hoping it was going to be net. And uh, I don't really know what it was. I'm thinking maybe whatever. So I snort this shit in a bathroom, like, in public restaurant. I don't know, some restroom, somewhere, wherever I could, the closest fucking restroom I could find. I was on 14th Street, kind of on the west side. Um in Manhattan and I just found whatever bathroom snorted it and was like, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on? This isn't me. Like, what is this shit? And it, and it felt really like soapy or something and weird and was sort of stuck <laughs> in my nose. And in that moment, I somehow came to a conclusion because I was already very spooked. So I had entered it with this weird energy this intuition telling me I really shouldn't be doing this. And it was so alarming that as this psychoactive drug, which is probably some kind of research chemical bath salt that to take hold in my mind, that mixed with the weird taste of soap or something in my nose and the, and the fear that I had, I instantly concluded that God was trying to give me a one last chance and I didn't listen. And what had happened was that I had overdosed and died in that bathroom. And <laughs> <laughs> at this point, whatever horrible paranoid thought came to me manifested itself as reality in a way that I was prior to that completely unfamiliar with. So I had never experienced, I mean, I've done acid and mushrooms and it's like you know you're tripping you see shit it, it blends and morphs into other shit you kind of know you're having an experience that's a drug in my case the hallucinations which were extraordinarily vivid they, they did not look like acid type of hallucinations like and i was convinced that i had died and gone to hell and it was this very convoluted scenario and it was sort of a mix of paranoid fears it was like this the New York City had become a concentration camp and there were barbed wire everywhere. It was this sort of mix of like this demonic totalitarian force had taken over the city. Right. And this is what hell was. It was like the singularity. I was my mind had been uploaded to the internet and there was there was no way to get offline. That's what hell that's how this eternal thing would play out. And because the powers that be, demonic and otherwise, had full act they could they could press any button and make me feel any kind of physical pain, like as a byproduct of some kind of neurochemical experience. And I, it, it was so horrible, and there were demons, and it, the city, it was like a three-day thing where I was walking around the city, and every block, every restaurant, every little thing would take on a different theme. It was sort of like a carnival ride where 
I would have to accept some kind of horrible punishment for eternity. So one place was like a public pool. And I looked into the public pool in Williamsburg, and I could see this thing that they're like used for handicapped people to get in the pool. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to get in that thing and just stay underwater <laughs> for eternity, and I'll experience the sensation of drowning, but for eternity. Right. You know, and, then there were, and, and I could hear saws and screams, and they were so vivid, and it was people having their limbs cut off and tortured and... And I, it, it was so horrific and, and, and bizarre. Like, there was a construction site, and, and I somehow got this idea that if I chose that reality, they were going to take my body and sort of stretch my body and turn my body into this building. And it would be extraordinarily painful because, you know, my bones would be ripped apart and become a steel structure, and I'd have to endure the cold, and, the, and, the, and, and, and I'd have to support the weight of this building. And it would be like this extraordinary, painful, eternal experience. And they were all so horrible and so terrifying that I just couldn't bring myself to accept any of them. There was the, the reality was too gnarly. And so as a result of me not being able to accept the punishment, in my mind, I, I was seeing people, actual human beings, with their arms cut off. And they were looking at me, and they were so fucking pissed. They're like, you fucking pussy. Because you're not willing to man up and accept your fucking punishment. Now we're being hurt for it. We're having our limbs fucking sawed off. And it's your fault. It, it, dude, it was just horrible. That's a crazy... So that's like the most traumatic, psychedelic fucking experience <laughs> so ever. Terrible, yeah. That was PSD for sure. How did, you, how did you come down off that? Well, um, it's kind of strange. So my... my, my you know, this whole time, I mean, I was just a person walking around. Like, my mom calls my phone, right? This is like two days into it. I answer the phone. And I am so sincerely, I mean, absolutely so sincerely apologizing to my mom. I'm so sorry that I died and went to hell. I'm so fucking sorry. What did she say? I don't remember, but she, uh, she got really scared and she called, like, the police department in New York, and you know how weird. Somehow she got in touch with this police officer who himself had like a brother who died of an overdose, and so he went on some weird thing. And they went to the park living in, which I wasn't in at the time, to kick down the door, which they're not allowed to do. So <laughs> but they didn't find me that way. And then my my, my dad ended up coming up there. And at my, I remember talking to my dad, and I was like, you don't want to come to New York. Like, Dad, if you come to New York, you're, you're, do you know what happened? Like, if you come here, you're not going to be able to leave. It's this totalitarian state. You're, you're no one's, it's a constant, just barbed wire everywhere. You know, you, 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 can't, you can't leave if you come. Like, I don't know if you're aware of that, but you might not want to come up here. And your dad's so like... So my dad comes up, and I somehow end up meeting up with him, and it's like, it looks like my dad, but I think he's probably a demon that looks like my father. And it, it was pretty bad. Like, like um, I think I was about to, to jump off of a building, and my dad's going to go. I was literally going to kill myself. Uh, just, I was out of my mind, and my dad grabbed me. Or, like, the uh, police came, and the EMS, and they brought me to a mental hospital, and... Somehow I was sane enough to know, like, I can't fight these police officers or whatever. Right. You know, I just kind of surrendered. But this trip was still sort of playing out in my mind. And uh, I was in, uh, you know, a psychiatric ER. 
still freaked out, looking at my dad, looking at these people, like this is all part of the trip. I'm like wanting it to just be the drugs. Like I'm like, please just be the drugs. But like, it was so real. Right. That I, 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 and then I kept getting these weird signs that confirmed, you know, this and that event proved that this is not hallucination. This is right. a real thing. What's happening. I uh, got into a, a fight with somebody in the fight ER, someone else who was bugged out, our energy sort of collided. And I guess I was like, this is it. I'm going to have to fight this demon. Like, fuck it. I'm going to go all out. So I got into this fight and, 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 and that process was like injected with some kind of sedative that, that, um, knocked me out for a day or so when i woke up it was over dude it, it was, was like she hit you with so the antipsychotic that you needed i was like yeah dude thank god that was it i, I it was so real it was the realest most horrific any paranoid thing i would think would just be real there'd be visual hallucinations which are completely vivid but corroborated it it was it was it was fucking awful dude it was the, it's obviously like, it's the most re it's like, it's like heroin sometimes feels good. You know, pot sometimes feels good. This story is like the reason not to fucking do drugs. You know what I mean? It's like the, I, I never had, I had like small versions of that, but that's fucking terrible, terrible story. I'm glad you're sober. I love you, Harold. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, God. All right. Well, thank you for bringing the dopey. Check out healthcollective.com. And, um, Harold, you got to give us another song, okay? I will. I'll work on it for sure. For sure, man. What are you playing music? You have the band back together or what? Yeah, I'm working on a music project. It's called We Finance Everyone. Um, I'm recording some songs right now with some friends and I'm just looking forward to doing some shows in the future soon. Right on, man. Just fucking be in touch. And uh, whatever you ever need, let me know. For sure. Good to talk to you, Dave. Always good to talk to you, Harold. I'll talk soon. Take care. Later. So it's Harold with the dopey. Whoa, that was amazing. That was dark. Yeah. I don't understand how people, how those drugs, who wants those drugs? I think people like I think metalheads want those drugs. I think people who wants I, yeah who wants that drug twice. Some people like, I mean I don't know. I I know that for me, I like drugs that make me worry less, be like feel comfortable yeah. and safe. I don't like drugs that make me feel heightened and crazy. Right. Or like, if you want to trip out, then you trip out and you see pretty colors. Like I've always said about psychedelics. And like feel, taste music. I liked psychedelics when I was a kid because I felt like it was like a quest. Yeah. And I went someplace. But as I got older, I decided it was way too yeah. much work. I started to see some dark shit on psychedelics and I never did them again. Well, that was Harold. And Harold said his drugs of choice were heroin, crack, and Xanax. You know, this was a departure. Heroin, crack, and Xanax. Yeah, okay. Those are feel-good drugs. Well... I never felt that good from crack, but it, but I, but I also have to say that I never, you know, I always say how little I like cocaine to Mike. But I wish Harold would write that down. That was that was epic. All right, Harold, write it down. Harold's got a million dopey stories. Okay. Harold, and Harold also like is a musician who like uh, when I met him, he had one of those Kurt Cobain Jaguar guitars. Oh wait, Harold did that punk yeah, dopey. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Harold should do that as a, a song. song. Yeah. All right, Harold, do it as a song. Um. I got a couple other things. What do you what what Ray's Ray's confessing his love affair to me now that <laughs> when he sleeps with this man they have their mouths together but they're not kissing, they're just recirculating each other's breath for hours. So what I'm telling you Ray, number 1 is 
It's too much gay shit on Dopey. Number one. I'm just kidding. I, I love you. I love gay <laughs> shit on Dopey. Number two, fucking, you got to be careful. This is dependency. You're using this guy to make you feel okay with to, being you. To make us both feel good. You know what I'm talking We're about. We're holding each other tight. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Not really. There is a danger. You went from one dude who didn't meet your expectations, so you went ballistic. To another dude who totally, like, beyond my expectations. But so was the first one. I was there for the salad days of him, and yeah, it was yeah. a grim yeah. foreshadowing of what was to this come. This one is cool. This one is casual. I'm just saying be careful. We're not exclusive. Dopey Nation. I've it, got sex dates in Dublin already. Well, Dublin sex dates, I'm if you're listening, them up. send us an email to dopeypodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Rate me. Five stars. Oh my God! Ray, Ray's thinking about changing his profession from painter, singer, songwriter to a whore to professional male gigolo. Yes, I, I, you know, a lot of guys say to me like, "You're the best I've ever had." I'm like, if I could only get money out of you, this, can I? Yeah, uh, but no, listen, I, no, but then you're not fucking who you want to fuck. Well, listen, but I saw a video where they were testing the drugs at a concert. And it was, everybody had ecstasy, and they tested it, and they're like, "This is bath salts," and I'm like. This festival is going to go crazy when everybody starts taking this. And some people just threw it away, and some people are like, oh, I'm going to keep it anyway. Have you ever done bath salt? No. No. Bath salt was at its height when I met Chris. That's what Harold was on. I think some so. Variation. Some disassociative thing. I, I don't even know. Or ketamine. You know, um, somebody reminded me of my old ketamine stories. Did you ever hear my old ketamine stories? I think so. The worst one was they had replaced the heroin with ketamine. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and when I would take it, I would sleepwalk around my apartment. Yes, yeah. And the one time I, I had shot the ketamine and I woke up outside of my apartment. And, <laughs> and, I, and the thing that woke, I was like in a trance and I woke up and there was no crazy, scary stuff, but I woke up because of the sound of my front door closing behind me. Yeah. And I'm standing out there in my underwear and I had to go downstairs and call my father who had to come over in the middle of the night with my keys. <laughs> Next door. No, 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 no. I was living in Grand Street. Oh, I was living on the Lower East shit. Side. And the apartment closing woke me up. It was insane. Yeah, I've heard crazy ketamine stories in Dublin. I'm like, why would you want that? It's like horrible. But more importantly, Dopey Nation, if you're as concerned about dear, dear brother Ray as I am, Please drop an email and, and about sex and Don't love addiction. Dopeypodcast at gmail.com. I've been having great conversations with Dopey Nation people, like some like some serious, some lighthearted, and uh, and people reaching out for help, which I followed through a bit, and I feel I feel bad I haven't followed through. There was uh, a woman wrote to me from Idaho, and we she had, wrote me too. Oh, okay, so I hope she's doing good, and then uh, like just people like chatting. It's really nice, like people from Dopey Nation contacting me just just to say hello or to talk about like where they're at where they're at i was talking to this guy yesterday he was like he's driving a gigantic mining equipment like one of those like those like cattle machines yeah that's like 20 times the size of a bulldozer and i'm like that looks so much fun like so much fun i'm here painting this like intricate thing i'm like i want out of this place but it's really nice to talk to people all over the world. Wow, it's amazing. It is, it is truly like a pseudo-fellowship. But what I want to say to anybody who's struggling and is reaching out to me or you, 
Uh, I think it's great to reach out to anybody in recovery. I think it's great to go to meetings because yeah. what the I, fuck? And I looked at the meetings in Idaho are few and far between. Well, that's an interesting thing. And then I think the, the old uh, alt-recovery movement deserves a little bit of spin. Which is Dopey Nation. Which Dopey Nation is a big part of the alt-recovery movement. You see movement. people going, I don't go to meetings. I just like go on Dopey Nation, and that's my recovery. Anything that you can do that makes you feel better, I say you do it. Uh, I think there's so much joy to be found outside of using. And inside of using, there's a little bit of joy, but then it comes with this fucking price tag of slavery. And slavery is not an easy thing to live with. And nothing, it gets progressively worse. Obviously, I do not recommend anybody doing anything they don't want to do. But like, I also recommend giving the shit a chance. You know, you give it a chance, you let it build. I always think of recovery as a bucket. And like when you first get into it, your bucket is empty. And the other side of the seesaw is like a lifetime of using. And you want to just put a little bit of your life into the bucket until you're invested. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, Have you ever gone to an online meeting? Never. Because I suggested that to some people who were in like, places without a lot of meetings and i looked at it and i didn't do it but it looks like it's pretty cool well i've heard about people going on online meetings i know and then people have asked me about good old hot wheels and uh i spoke to hot wheels kind in the last month i think he's doing good we, we, we've tried to have him call in here and there and it's probably been my fault but big shout out to mr brian hot wheels we love you and i hope you're doing well and um, he does online meetings. Oh, yeah. And I know some people in the Dopey Nation have been trying to set up a Dopey oh. meeting. Is it like Skype? Dude, I don't know. I don't know about that. Should I go to, I go to Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> what do you want from me? Um, I say do whatever you can. I want to play a couple more things before we go. Uh, do you want to hear? There's a dude in Arizona called Chris Taylor yeah. who is running for Congress and he overdosed. And, uh, and was the, that in the news? It was in the news, and uh, friend of the show, super vote, friend of the show. Vote for Chris. Joe Schrank calls in to drop the story. You want to hear? Yeah. Great. So on the phone, we have huge super friend of the show, Joe Schrank. Welcome back on the show. Thanks, man. You know, I feel like I'm, I'm you know, I have a dopey tattoo, which was partially... Um, to honor and remind me of Chris. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I don't think a lot of your listeners have tattoos, do they? I think 10 of them do. So you're in the top 10% of our, of our audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I know some of them do because I've seen them, but... Um, Dude, it's above I, and beyond. There can't be that many who no. are that dedicated. No, you are super friend. You remember the old cartoon, The Super Friends? You're one of the super yeah. friends. Um, and you're always, you're always very helpful to me. And I always appreciate your input and your insight. And I know how much Chris loved you and, uh, and how much Chris really, like, he believed in you. You know what I'm saying? You were, like, a great mind for him to reflect to me about. So I love it when you come on the show because it reminds me of him. Yeah. No, I agree. And, you, and me and Joe were talking the other day, and Joe told me this crazy story about this dude in Arizona, also named Chris. Do you want to tell the Dopey Nation about it? Yeah, I mean, it's not, um, look, it's not an uncommon story. He's a young guy. I have a real soft spot for vets because, you know, I grew up with my dad who did two tours in Vietnam and never got his shit together after that. Um, so this guy did, you know, he did a couple tours in Afghanistan, lots of trauma. 
he kind of got lost in the VA system, which is overwhelmed. And, you know, I mean, my personal opinion is that we don't do a very good job of taking care of them. Um, you know, you teach somebody to kill humans as a political or defense need, and then you bring them home and say, oh, hey, there's a job fair for Home Depot. Right. You know, it's kind, of an, it's, it's kind of inadequate. <clears throat> um, so he kind of went down that rabbit hole with chronic injuries and pain and started with the opiates and so on and so forth. And then he did really well for a long time, um, as many of us do. And, you know, he's on local city council and he started some kind of organization to help vets with their addictions. Um, and the guy's and name, the guy's name is, the guy's name is Chris Taylor. Uh, Chris Taylor we're talking about. Chris Taylor, Chris Taylor, running for Congress in the first district in um, Arizona, which is kind of a rural, massive land district. So lots of lots of those kinds of issues. Um, and then he overdosed. Luckily, they hit him with Narcan, and he's okay. But, you know, the story just kind of caught my eye because I think that there's a lot of those guys out there. You know, they're not all running for Congress, and it's not all going to be in the press for that reason, but I think that they deserve, A, I think they deserve better. Um, and B, I don't think the guy needs to be ridiculed in the press. He is a young wife and two little kids. And so it's just a really hard, it's a really hard situation. So I've been trying to, trying to talk to him and, and I told him, look, we can't talk politics because it's very red state, his agenda, <laughs> but you know, we can talk about you getting better. And I'll leave the I'll leave the red state up to you when you're uh, back on your feet. Right on. So we want what do we want from the Dopey Nation specifically? What can they Google, do to help? Google him. Google him. Look at his website. Send him a message of hope. Send him a message of uh, you know inspiration. Just you know we all need that, and we don't do that enough for each other. When I go to court with a client, and there's other cases. Um, like just for an example, if it's a domestic violence case, there's the domestic violence advocacy group that comes into the court, right? There's never a recovery advocacy group that says this guy shouldn't be in prison. He should be in treatment. And so I think that just as a community, we all need to do more of that. And, um, you know, look, he's a website. I forget what it is. Chris Taylor for Arizona or something. And people can leave a message there or find him on Facebook. Right. Or, and, and, you know. and politics and, and, and uh, military service notwithstanding, he's one of us. He's an addict who's struggling. And, and throw him a line. Throw him a what's up. Throw him some love. Correct. And, uh, and throw him some love. Throw him some. And, and honestly, I think that recovery might be the one or one of few places where red and blue America overlap. We'll call it you know, purple, like, purple America. You know, <laughs> like, okay, I get, no, I don't want to talk about the wall, man. I really don't. But, um, you know, I think that you should have good care and I think you should get a chance and I think you should, um, be present for your family. And, you know, there's a lot of things that we can agree on. Well, how to try to enjoy your life without getting high. You know, that's what we're talking about. You know, finding some peace or finding some love and finding some happiness, right? Correct. And finding, you know, I think that that people who have issues with mental health in general and specifically with addictions are often very bright, dynamic people. We need an advocate in Congress. 
look, I hope he makes it. You know, I hope he gets back. I hope he runs in <clears throat> some other election cycle. I hope he can tell his story, and I hope he can advocate for recovery causes in Congress because we don't we don't have that, and we should. Right. There are not many out addicts in the political sphere, is what you're saying. That's what I'm saying. And even if they were out, um, you know, they, I don't think that people have to be necessarily directly impacted to be an advocate. You know, who's the congressional member saying, OK, we need to stop this criminal thing. These people are not criminals. We need to shift gears and put at a global or at a macro level policy the knowledge, values and skills of public health. Because that's really what we're dealing with. People get better when they're treated as patients. They get worse when they're treated as criminals. That doesn't mean um, we don't need to be held accountable for criminal behavior, but using having the issue of, of addiction in and of itself is not crime, and it shouldn't be treated as crime. Right. All right. How are you doing, Joe, by the way? I'm good, man. Working on some stuff, you know, doing my thing. Um, I'm in LA, uh, which, you know, I mean, it's always funny what's an emergency here. Like I always find this culture funny because like if somebody's running down the street in New York, you know, something bad happened, right. like somebody had a heart attack. If somebody's running down the street here, it's like an Olsen twin lost their charger. Right. You know, so it's like, it's, it's crazy what an emergency is in LA, but you know, here I am, and I'm working on some projects to be determined that I'm happy to tell you about at the right time. All right. And we'll, we'll see. We'll look forward to it, Joe. And check out Chris Taylor, everybody. And I love, uh, Joe, your advocacy is, is great, and the tattoo is great, and thank you. Thank you. And uh, hi to the nation. And yes, you know what, nation? Do do something not uh, you know outside yourself today and send a message to Chris Taylor. Right on, Joe. Thanks, man. Okay. Take cool. care. So, yes, please send compassion to Chris Taylor. Uh, you know, all of us, anybody who's struggling deserves compassion, I'd say. And um, in other news, Josh, uh, first Dopey Scholarship, Toodles for Chris Scholarship, uh, is now in aftercare. Oh. Provided free of cost by uh, Transcend Recovery. What is aftercare? It's like after you get out of treatment so like you don't go home and get high. sober living type of thing? Yeah, it's like a sober living. He's there for 60 days in, uh, oh. in Venice, California. Not, wait, he went from Connecticut to Venice? He went from Wisconsin at negative 25 degrees to Mountainside to reco- transcend recovery. Nice. Meanwhile, Charlotte is in her first few weeks at um, Turnbridge in uh, Connecticut. Yeah. And uh, she's doing great. I sent her some dopey shit, and she's like, everyone there knows dopey. Lots of yeah. places people don't know dopey, but at Turnbridge, oh, yeah. they know dopey. I was kind of worried about Josh to, like, get out, and then where are you? The truth is I'm still worried about Josh. Like, Well, we're worried about everybody. I'm worried about Josh. He's, like, licking his wounds. It's like, it's. It, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that feeling of getting sober and wondering when they get to get high again. And um, I love Josh. I hear from him all the time. I worry about him. And uh, I just, anybody who's in the beginning of recovery, try going to meetings. Well, I have a very good friend who has been like the worst, worst alcoholic drug addict as long as I've known him. And then I got sober and he would say, He'd be every night. He'd be like, "Hey, I need to help. I need help. I need to talk to you." And I would like say, "Text me tomorrow. We'll go to a meeting." And I 
fucking gave up on this guy. I wrote him off. He's one of the unfortunates. And this went on for years and years and years. And I was like, he's just going to die. Like I, I said that to all my friends. He went to rehab and I thought, well, he's going to get out of rehab and immediately relapse. He was, uh, you know, he's now, he has over 90 days. He's fucking like texting. He's like holding me up. He's texting me every day, taking me to meetings, saying, how are you? Like he totally got it. He's over 90 days now. So he was in, in rehab for 30 days. It's, well, it's, I mean, there's no reason, like, I, when I got sober, you had, like, a year or something, remember? Yeah. And, and you helped me, and yeah. then I get to help you. That's what we all get to do. Yeah. You know, anybody who has their shit together, help somebody else, and anybody who is struggling, uh, reach out to somebody you know that got better. Because all anybody that got better, all we can do to, to preserve ourselves yeah. is to help you. Yeah. The, so, the woman in Idaho, she said, I can't believe, you must think I'm a nut. I'm a total stranger and I wrote to you and I was like, I asked a total stranger for help and he helped me. So there you go. That's the deal. Um, and speaking of people getting better, I want to play another voice. This is what we're going to do. Show's almost over. I have to go. Ray has to go. Um, I want to play one more voicemail from Tim from Philly, longtime listener, amazing dopey story. Um, and then I want to play the Howard Stern thing. You want to go now? Yeah, I have to go. I, I have to. I'm late to work. You don't want to hear this great tale of recovery How before long you is go? It? Three minutes. Okay. All right. Yo, what's going on, everyone? This is Tim from Philly. Uh, just giving a quick voicemail to report some good news. Um, first time in a very long time coming up on 30 days here, man. Complete abstinence. I feel great. Um, my mind is, is working again, um, and I'm really digging into this recovery. Um, just wanted to, to let you guys know, man, it's still bad out there um this last run for me was like a just an eye-opening scary uh experience um back to running around the streets of kensington putting things in my body that i don't know what the hell are um it's bad out there man like i'm telling you i would wake up in the middle of like cooking dinner on the ground with like a blender in my hand and just i would just fall out like they're putting they're putting not only fentanyl, but like tranquilizer. I mean, it, it was bad, dude. I was, I go, I would go out pretty much every time. Um, and that's scary that I got to that point, but that's what happens. So, uh, but that's not where I'm at today. And, um, I just wanted to give you guys some hope, man. Um, I'm, I'm down in South Jersey. Ventner, recovery is strong down here. I've got a sponsor going through the steps, home group commitment. I'm plugged into a church. I'm um, going to go serve there as best as I can. And, yeah, man, I'm full force. You know, God is good. It's all about that spirituality, man, that higher power, whatever it's going to be. Um, but, you know, I, I, I realize that, you know, my, my own thinking is, like, dookie. You know, like, I, I just get myself in some bad situations. So I need something bigger than myself to, to control my, my life. So, you know, I encourage you guys to, to search that out. Um, but, yeah, man. Uh, it's, it's good. It feels good to be sober. It feels good to be clear-minded, and uh, just a little, just a little positive, man. Love you guys. Back in the community. All right. And uh, thanks, man. Fucking Tim from Philly. Very inspiring. Sounds good, Tim. You know what? I hate that you have to leave now because I also had a, a new dopey verse from uh, from Wick. Oh yeah. New dopey rap verse and Howard Stern. Okay. Well, I'll hear it. I'll listen. You want to hear it? Not right now. 
All right. How long is it? The dopey verse? A minute and a half. You want to hear it? I have so much to do at work. All right, fuck it. I love that Dave came into this pl- to his dad's place, immediately took his clothes off and changed into his pajamas to do the show. That's what I do. That's <laughs> how like, we get things how, done. You can't wear jeans while you're doing the show. I'd rather not be confined. And his jeans are laying right by the front door. I'd rather not be confined <laughs> to my jeans. Okay, next week, you guys will... Actually, you know what? Fuck it. Ray's not going to hear it. I'm going to open up this week's show with Wick's verse oh, so yeah. you could hear it Perfect. on the show. Perfect. Um, so now I have to do that. And what else? I'm going to end it with the Howard Stern show thing. I'm going to play the whole thing because it was like the greatest thing I ever did. It's very funny. Besides dopey and having children and falling in love and all that good stuff. <laughs> that was a good save right there. Thank you. Um, so, Ray, welcome back. No more tears. No more tears. I figured I'd get no you to crying. cry. I figured I, I could do you it. You can't make... Did I, I get, did I get you, you know, close? I, no, not at not all. Not even close? <laughs> not even when I talked about the licking the urine and eating no, the chest there? No, you can't make me cry. What I'm about stone, the... I'm cold inside. You're cold stone... You're You've got no heart. Emotions. Except when you're at night cuddling with the new man, recirculating your breath through his breath. (laughs) Yuck. Anyway. No chlamydia. I I had a full battery of STD tests right down like two blocks away from here. Right there. Since new guy? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But just in general, I I have nothing. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Praise Jesus. Stay strong, dopey nation, and fucking toodles for Chris. Toodles for Chris. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Bye, Dave. Bye, Ray. Here's Howard Stern. Is a guy now who says uh, he works for something called the... I'm not even sure what he works for. The Burley Bear Network. What's that? It's a, I think it's a network. It actually has some legitimacy. It's a college network. Like, co- Oh, here he is. What's this guy's name? Hey, dude. Let's see this guy. This is where you're getting this award uh, from? Yeah. Entertainer of the Millennium. That's right. What's your name, dude? My name's Dave. Yeah, all right. Hey, and Gary, don't go too far, because this guy, he's going to be off the air in about two minutes. Hey, hey. You know, I'm not going to do a whole three hours with you. I don't expect much. Okay. Bam, love all right. the show. You're a college kid? And no. did you make a face and no. hurt yourself? Well, hold on a second. Are you a college guy or not? No. No, but you work for the Burley Bear Network. What is that? Describe to us. It is the largest college cable network in the country. Oh, it's a cable network? Yes. What does that mean? Radio or television? Television. Television. Yeah. So you're on television? Yeah, I am. You have your own show? I have my own show. Right. It's called Shuffle. It's great. Shuffle. Okay. And this goes to college campuses, this show? Yes. It's a closed circuit network. And it goes to some uh, cable systems. How does that work? In other words, how do you get it into colleges? We basically just send them videotapes, and they play three hours of programming every day. Because I, I went to college, and they used to have college. Now, I never know, know where to get it. Yeah. I mean, it comes in on the, the students' television sets? Yeah, in the dorms, they have closed circuit TV. Oh. And on cable systems, they have... Uh, oh. So I understand what happens is they send them the tapes. Remember when you used to get public affairs tapes? They send yeah. them the tapes and they take their word for it that they're playing them. On the- but I don't see Let's say I'm in my college dorm and I got a television set, right? Yeah. What am I, hooked into cable? Yeah. All right. And on the cable, the college controls one of the stations. Say it again? In the college, when you're in your dorm, mm-hmm. the college has an actual channel of its own. Some of them have like five or six. Okay. On the cable system. Yeah. And then they take your tape and they play it. Yeah. Where do they play that? At the dean's office? No, they play it on all the in all the rooms. They play it in uh, the surrounding area. Really? A lot of cable systems. We're on, on Time Warner in Manhattan now, every Thursday and Friday. One mm. thirty p.m. Shuffle. Now, now how do? Okay, we, we got that. Right so now you. Uh, so, so what you're saying is that. You, how did I get Millennium Entertainer of the Year? Yeah, who voted? No, Entertainer of the Millennium. Of the Millennium. How did I get that? Last spring, I started this 
survey. All right. Very akin to your uh, secret double A-holes back in the day. Okay. And I have secret affiliates on my 500 networks. I mean, 500 states. What's this kid talking about? I get him. I got him. You got him? I'm understanding the whole thing. You are? She's digging it. All right. So you went around and asked a bunch of people who they thought was the best entertainer of the millennium. They took petitions. They roamed the campus. Who's they? Our secret, our secret affiliate. The secret a-holes. Exactly. All right. How many guys are you talking about? How many people? Like about 450. All right. 450 people went around and asked people who is the entertainer of the millennium. Correct. On college campuses. Yes. All right. Go ahead. So they took the poll, took a survey, and they right. contacted my, the person I work with, who's in, you know in touch with all the affiliates. Yes. And uh, you won. I won. Who else was on the vote? Adam Sandler was a close second. I got 66% of the vote. Sandler got like 22%. That's not close. No, you... you, If I got 66% and Sandler got 22... You wrecked it. It's a landslide. It's a landslide. What do you mean it's pretty close? Nixon won by. Yeah. You wrecked him. I mean, I just say it's pretty close. And who else was, uh, let's see, 66 and 22, so that doesn't leave room for too many other people. No, I mean, like, Bob Hope was uh, was a strong third. Really, Bob Hope? Yes. Among college students. Well, they think the millennium's a long time. Right, and who else? Well, everybody else was just fodder. You know, really, just one name, three percent those exactly. candidates. So I, in a landslide. A landslide. And in other words, you didn't say, "Do you think Howard Stern is the entertainer of the millennium?" You just said, "Give us the name of the entertainer of the millennium." Exactly. And, and your name came up. And it wasn't Letterman or Leno or Jerry Seinfeld. Who it was that? Howard Stern. That's right. Right. Yes. Yeah, I mean, Howard, I think you're incredible, but hard to believe none of those other names turned up on the list, but Bob Hope, well, he's saying they did, but in very small amounts. Very, very small numbers. I don't think they, they hit the college market the way you do. Really? Yeah, that's my, that's my analysis. No, let me, let me see my award. What, now, did you make this up yourself? Did I make up what myself? The award, the actual no, award. Academy Engravers made it for me. All right, so you had it made. I had it made. It says, for truth, honor, and the American way, Shuffles, Entertainer of the Millennium, Howard Stern. Right. Yeah. It's not even the Huggy Bear Networks. Uh, hey, it's the Burly Bear. The Burly Bear Network. It's a bowling trophy. You see that? No, feel it. This is some serious weight. Can really? I- you put that, you hand that to me, please. Let me accept my award. Give me that. Th- give me that award. <laughs> That's a chain of the millennium. Let me see that. Wow, I have to make a speech. Yeah, please. For truth, yeah, look at that, Robin. That is a very heavy award. That's what I'm saying. There's some quality in that. You know what I could use this to hit Scott over the head with? Or to hold the door open. Yeah. No, this is for beating Scott. You should have heard the list of excuses that he gave Gary about why, why when we did our song, no one could hear it. What were some of the excuses he gave you? Well, one of them was that the guy that came in to mix it this morning, um, this was the first time he was seeing the setup. He said, it's not our problem because Richie said we were ready. Yeah. And the other one, which is my personal favorite, is that the wireless is on, and the wireless is a very powerful mic, and it tends to suck all the other sound out of the room. Oh, there's no other sound allowed through. What was his uh, excuse for not being able to hear that things were going bad? That one he didn't have an excuse. That one he said he wasn't sure. I see. Why does he keep his mouth shut and say, I have no idea? All right. On behalf, on behalf of nobody, <laughs> uh, this is a thousand years. How many is a millennium? A thousand. A th- this is a th- in a thousand years, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> now, wait a second. You know, I'm not going to belittle this award that I just received. Please. If this gentleman's even telling a half-truth, what he's saying is that he surveyed college students. It wasn't a scientific survey. No, it wasn't. Relatively scientific. Relative. Well, pretty much. Sometimes, Your relatives you know, are scientists. Yeah. Sometimes scientific isn't so good. He went to the people. Right. He went straight to the people. Yeah, science is for the birds. Where he went. <laughs> he went. How many people were surveyed? Approximately, you know, a lot of people. A couple hundred thousand people. Hundred thousand? College students. You're saying several hundred thousand college I don't believe that. 
Why not? I mean, that's ridiculous. A lot of, lot of 450 people, in. did they have jobs to hold down while no, they were No, they're around? college kids. It's they're true. Like, if, if, a th if each person got 1,000 people surveyed, that's 450,000 people. It's a very exciting award, very prestigious. <laughs> or maybe 45,000, I don't know. Hey. Or something, I don't know. But what I'm saying is... These guys were high. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they were sitting around. Watching. All I know is on behalf... What is your name again? David. <laughs> David, uh, on behalf of the Huggy Bear Network, Early Bear Network, <laughs> and um, I want to thank the people, the college students who were surveyed around the country. Absolutely. What are some of the universities that were surveyed? Uh, Michigan State University. Right. USC. Right. University of Florida. All right. On behalf... Who won the last millennium? You don't know. It wasn't even around. a survey or I'm an award. A caveman. <laughs> uh, on behalf of the show, on behalf of... First of all, I'd like to thank Robin. He's here on my side every day, Robin Quivers. Uh, I'd like to say... Um, oh, Gary, you're not getting thank you. Big food bastard. Uh, Gary and Fred, not Jackie. I'm not thanking him. <laughs> But I would like to thank my agent, Don Buckwald. Uh, thank me. No. Come on. We don't thank the guy who gave Thank the Academy. All right. Thank David. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. And uh, I thank all the people working the office, you know, little people, et cetera. Uh, I'd like to thank my family, wife and kids, mom, dad. In-laws, everybody. Tom Chisano, maybe. Oh, Mel Carmazin, my, my, my godfather. Yeah. Man who makes it all possible. That's a word, right? Good way to. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to thank uh, Sumner Redstone, my new boss. Maicon. I'd like to thank Anne Marie. Back in the office, wearing those tight pants every day. Tight shirts, too. Tight shirts, too. Everything she wears, I'd like to thank. I'd like to thank the guy who designed her clothes. Thank her designer. I would like to thank, um, most importantly, the man upstairs. Who's that? Mel. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and Ed uh, Moyer. He works up there. Yell Frank Flores. <laughs> yeah. He was circumcised, you know. Uh, I'd like to thank uh, the e Entertainment Network, CBS Television. I'd like to thank UPN. I was on the phone with them all night. In the middle of creating a new animated series, Doomsday. <laughs> Nothing like a conference call 3,000 miles away to make it all personal. Uh, I'd like to thank um, uh, the cast of Son of the Beach, a new television show we have coming out on uh, the FX network. I'd like to even thank Fat Vinny Favali. <laughs> and what about Mitch? I'm not thanking Mitch. Oh. No, and Mitch too, Mitch Semmel. You gotta thank Dan Foreman. Why? Well, he was part of the millennium. I'd like to thank Dan Foreman, the producer of our Channel 9 show in Bapango Fiesta. Hey, he now works for NBC News. <laughs> I'd like to thank all my interns, especially the hot ones, for not seducing me. I'd like to thank Ronnie the limo driver, or else we'll get mad. He cut a guy off yesterday. He was, he was screaming and yelling at each other in the middle of the street. Really? It was great. They yeah. stopped? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is there anybody you forgot to thank? No. Anybody you've left out? No. I thank you. No. Who? John. John always. Oh, I told him he's one of the little people back in the office. Yeah, he thanked the office. Right. I'd like to thank Neil Drake and Wayne Siegel because combined they're four feet tall. <laughs> oh, you haven't thanked Ralph. Nah, I'm not thanking <laughs> Ralph. <laughs>
so this is it. Entertainer of the Millennium, thank you. Thank you. Can I say one more thing? Sure, David. Every Friday in New York City at 1.30 p.m., if you have Time Warner Cable on Channel 35, is Shuffle on the Burley Bear Network, and check us out at burleybear.com. Oh, please. No one's going to watch that. You never know. <laughs> please, no one's going to watch that. Come on now. Hard to get a plug. No I really feel no. this has some uh, cheap, Robin. Very cheap. To get a plug. All right, now get out of here, David. You make me sick. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right, so you're sickening me. All right. All right. Well, there. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Baba Boo, I'm going to hit you over the head with this award every time you get out of line. All right, before we go, my dad is back on the show. Welcome back. Hi. Hi, everybody. Now, if anybody stayed to listen to that thing, I just wanted to be clear that I did that whole thing as an elaborate ruse to get on the Howard Stern show, to promote my stupid music show, and that the whole thing was basically a lie. So I want to make amends to Howard, and I'm sorry for leading you down a primrose path and lying about the uh, Shuffle Entertainer of the Millennium Award. He he made a good show out of it, though. Uh, He's the best. That's why (laughs) Howard should have been the Entertainer of the Millennium. That's why I chose Howard to be the Entertainer of the Millennium. Anyway, anything you want to add to the show before we end it? No, no, no. I unless no, I don't have anything to add except you want me to talk about that Jamie Lee Curtis no. maneuver. Anyway, she's a very, very sweet lady, and she. Uh, I she just said ap- no. And she, excuse me, and she appreciated uh, the dopey show and what David. I don't know how people week. think you're so good on the show. You you make no sense. You said something to me off the air that you think they understand what you're ja- talking about. Jamie Lee Curtis didn't want to go on dopey because she thought that it was. Uh, Mocking recovery. Mocking recovery. And then when she... She didn't listen to This American Life. When when she did a little bit more research and thinking about it, she saw how important it was. When she heard that Chris died, she felt terrible. Absolutely. And she wanted to contribute. So your point is totally moot as usual. (laughs) It's not moot. I just said it. (laughs) And in the wake of this coronavirus, what else will you be stocking up on? I well seltzer, <laughs> pickled herring, cookies, I get, and coffee. It looks like you uh, ran out of. Uh, I coffee. have coffee for you, by the way. Oh, you do? Stumptown Coffee sent me a box of coffee, and I have some for you. Why would they send you? A because box? I'm going to mention it on Dopey. So thank oh, you, you just did. <laughs> thank you, Stumptown, for the coffee. Uh, thank you, Dad, for coming on. Thank you to the great Ray who never wants his name on the show and yet reveals more than anybody. Yeah. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Dad, you want to say goodbye? Yeah, stay strong, Dopey Nation. Toodles for Chris. Do you think you're going to do this Al-Anon podcast that people are looking for? No. So do not look for the (laughs) Al-Anon podcast and stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris, who we definitely miss.
Shannon.